This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com Funding for this class is provided by Benjamin Arieh and family in loving memory of Raphael, son of Chacham Rabbi Chia. Lessons in Tanya The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg Page 198 Till now he discussed the difference between <laughs> The tzaddik and the benini. That the tzaddik is a Jew who is able to achieve a core change. He's able to change, transform his subconscious. That he should, he should, that godliness should become something that's natural to him. So much so that he no longer has an evil inclination. He's no longer tempted to materialism, money, power, fame, anything external. Really has no value to him. Really means nothing to him. Is insignificant. The only thing that that he relates to and connects with and is tempted and is interested in is only godly things, spiritual things. This is a rare human being. This is one or two in every generation. A person who can totally transform his his whole being. Not only he acts as a Jew and thinks like a Jew and speaks like a Jew. His whole being becomes Jewish. His whole being becomes godly. This is the level of the tat. The tzaddik is able to permanently change, change. Versus the benini, the benini is one who, that's 99.9% of us that have the potential to be a benini, do not have the ability, God did not give us the ability to change our subconscious because we could only work with the tools that we have. The tools that we have are our conscious mind, our ego-logical mind, and our emotions. But most of us, our conscious level of awareness, our entire frame of reference is really very narrow, very limited. And we think in terms of external emotions that could be easily labeled and defined. So these are very external emotions. And so to uh, logical concepts. But logical concepts and do not have the power to totally transform us. Even if we understand something, we understand it well, and we understand it in depth. And even if we're moved and inspired, it's, yet it's, it's temporary. It's something that fades away. And then we easily revert back to our natural self, which is our egotistical, materialistic self. It's a constant struggle for a person to try, for a person, people like us, the average person, to be genuine, to be authentic, is a very difficult struggle. Because naturally we're very self-absorbed, self-centered, and egotistical, and, and external and superficial. For us to really be genuine, authentic, is something that takes tremendous effort and tremendous focus and concentration until it actually um, ev- seeps into our heart, till it, it, it evokes a response, an emotional response, till we start feeling something towards godliness. And so during prayer, a Jew has the ability during prayer to constantly arouse and to evoke this, to be inspired and to feel something for godliness. And during prayer, you can even reach a point where during prayer at least, your ego, your Yetzirah, leaves you alone. You don't even feel tempted to do something wrong. 
Because that's the nature of light. When there's light, there's no room for darkness. So when you fill your mind, your conscious mind, and you fill your conscious heart with, with a feeling for Hashem, an emotion for Hashem, an attraction to Hashem, and, and, a, and a deep understanding, a penetrating understanding of Godliness, and your entire mind and heart is focused and concentrated and lost in deep meditation, and meditating upon Godliness, so during those moments of prayer, you're not even tempted to do something wrong. But the moment you finish praying, it just vanishes. It just fades away as if nothing happened, and you, we revert back to our natural self. So even, even the ideal Benini, this is the level of the Benini, the average, even the ideal Benini, like Rab, who considered himself a Benini, although he knew that he had no temptation for anything negative, he was honest with himself, he knew himself, he knew not only he never had a negative thought, he never had a negative speech, he never had a negative action, he was perfect. Not only behaviorally, even internally, he can look into his heart. He knows, is it a struggle, is it not a struggle? He knew that he had no struggle, he had no temptation, and yet he considered himself a benini. Why? Because he felt, objectively speaking, he has no proof that he's a tzaddik, I have no proof that it has been a core transformation, that his whole being has become godly. He thought that he was on the highest level of a benini, which is, as the Talmud says, a benini who's davening all day. There is a concept of a person who can constantly inspire himself. For us, inspiration is rare. And it's something we have to, we can only achieve through tremendous effort. If we set, uh, set our mind and we, during prayer, at the right time, in the right environment, and you're contemplating about godliness, and your mind is engaged in godliness, and you're focused, and you meditate, and then you arouse a feeling of love and attraction towards godliness. So during those mo- during the few hours of prayer, you're consumed by prayer, during those few moments you're inspired. And it helps you for the rest of the day when you go back to the business world, your, net, your ordinary self, because it leaves an impression, a lasting impression. But Rabba was that rare individual who was like the Benini who can daven all day. He can inspire himself and be inspired all day. But he felt that it was, it was a constant effort. In other words, he, it was something that you, you had to constantly do by constantly inspiring yourself and filling your mind and your heart. With the light, with the divine light, with the light of godliness, there's no room for darkness. So he put his Yetzirah to sleep. He gave it a good anesthesia, and he anesthetized his Yetzirah and put it to sleep. It's dormant, that's all it is. The Yetzirah is sleeping, that's all it is, it's dormant. The moment the anesthesia wears off, the Yetzirah comes roaring back. So yes, the highest level of Abedin is the one who has the ability to put the Yetzirah to sleep. But it's there, it's dormant, the potential is there. And you have, therefore you have to constantly and actively um, inspire yourself to fill your mind and your heart, your conscious mind and heart, with an awareness of Hashem, awareness of Godliness. And when your mind and heart are filled, there is no room for the ego. So, so in his life, the Yetzirah was constantly sleeping. His Yetzirah was a puffer, was constantly sleeping. <laughs> but not that the Yetzirah wasn't there. The Yetzirah was there. So on that level... It means that the, the whole inspiration is almost a man-made thing. It's a man-made inspiration. You have to constantly inspire yourself. But the moment, if Rabba would stop inspiring himself, he would revert back to his good old natural self, which is egotism and an attraction to materialism, etc. So therefore, in comparison to the level of a tzaddik, you can't call even the highest level of a bendi like Rabbah, the example of Rabbah, you cannot call that service of Hashem genuine. 
Because the nature of something that's genuine is, what's the definition of genuine? What's the definition of something that's authentic? Of MS. MS. What's the definition of MS? MS is something that's permanent, that's eternal, that never changes. The tzaddik is MS. Because the tzaddik has totally changed, has permanently changed. His being is different. He is different. It's almost like, like uh, the fiber of his being has transformed. It's, it's a different, he's made up of a different cloth. He no longer has an evil inclination. He no longer relates to materialism. Materialism means nothing to him. He sees through it. The only thing that's real to him is godliness. The inner. The spiritual, the soul. He's no longer tempted. So the tzaddik has permanently changed. Godliness has become totally natural for the tzaddik. When he eats, when he drinks, when he sleeps, 24-7. So that's emes. That's genuine. There's been a genuine change. Godliness has touched the tzaddik. And that's the definition of emes. Talmud says that emes is the seal of Hashem. All the other attributes of God, we refer to Hashem as being the kind one, as being the compassionate one, as being strong. None of these are God's seal. What's the definition of a seal? A seal is your unique signature. You can't copy, you can't uh, um, replicate. So you know that when a person has a seal, you know it's his signature. It belongs uniquely. It uniquely belongs to Hashem. Kindness, you can't say kindness is Hashem's seal. Of course, Hashem's kindness is infinite. But we also are kind. We also know something of kindness. Of course, you can't compare our kindness to Hashem's kindness. But you can't say it's unique to Hashem. Compassion, etc. But MS is unique. What's emes? Is emes truth? No. Emes is not truth. Truth, emes is more than just truth. Truth means it's not false. Two plus two is, is four is true. It's a true statement. Is it emes? No. What is the definition of emes? The Talmud says, the Jerusalem Talmud, emes is aleph, mem, tof. First letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the middle letter, and the last letter. The nature of emes, as the Torah says, is if someone will tell you that there's wisdom amongst nations, believe it. There's brilliance amongst nations. But if someone will tell you that there is Torah amongst nations, there's emes, don't believe it. There's only one emes, that's Torah. So what's emes? Is it truth? No. So what's the definition of emes? What's the difference between truth and emes? The nature of emes is that emes has to change the person. Truth is intellectual. It's a concept. It's abstract. Two plus two is four is true. But so what? What difference does it make? So I understand that two plus two is four. So am I going to wake up differently in the morning? Is it going to make me a better person? Is it going to transform me? Does it demand anything from me? Does it inspire me? Does it move me? What difference does it make? Does it change me personally? No. It's, a, it's another object of information that my mind processes and I put it in the disk and it's there. So what? What difference is it? It was once a rabbi, Talmudic rabbi, who his knowledge exceeded his, his refinement. He was a brilliant Torah scholar, but he was an unrefined person. When he passed away, when they eulogized him, they said he was like a shelf full of books. And they were not speaking kindly of him. 
what they were saying is, just like the relationship between the shelf and the books, <laughs> the, the books don't make the shelf, don't change the shelf, don't elevate the shelf, don't, there's no connection. If they were in modern terminology, they would, they would compare it to a disc, a disc full of information. They're, they're walking encyclopedias. They're people are walking encyclopedias. What's the connection between the knowledge and the person? There's zero. There's a total disconnect. The knowledge hasn't transformed the person. If we were 20%, 30%, what we knew, the world would be a garden of Eden. Because we know, but the knowledge doesn't affect us, doesn't change us, doesn't inspire us. So the definition of truth is, when truth is through and through, it's consistent, it's the beginning, it's the middle and the end, truth has to change you and inspire you. And So the tzaddik is connected to truth, because Yiddishkeit, the divine, the godly, has touched every mitzvah that the tzaddik does, his soul is on fire. He's inspired. His whole being is doing the mitzvah. It's not just he's doing the mitzvah externally, superficially, mechanically, by rote. It's not just he's thinking about the mitzvah. He has a certain feeling towards the mitzvah. His whole being, every fiber of his being, every bone in his body has been totally transformed by the mitzvah. When he's lighting the Hanukkah candles, he's on fire. <laughs> you know, he's on fire, the candle's on fire. His whole being is on fire. There isn't any part of him that's left out of the mitzvah. When he's praying, his whole being is praying. In the Baal Shem Tev. The Baal Shem Tev said when he would pray, he wasn't sure he would make it. He would say goodbye to say He wasn't sure he would make it. It was a miracle. <laughs> it's a miracle that when he finished praying, he was still alive. Because when he said, love Hashem with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your being, he lived it, he experienced it. It wasn't just words. So the tzaddik is different. Whatever the tzaddik does, he's doing, he's doing 100%. So it changes you. That's the nature of truth. That's emes. But the rest of us, the rest of us who are naturally, instinctively, we're egotistical, we're materialistic, we're earthy people, this is our reality, this is the reality that we, lay, or that we relate to, the reality of the senses. So even if we're able to achieve some sort of spiritual, spiritual level, but it, it's almost a manufactured, it's almost superficial because we have to constantly, constantly, you know, refocus and daven, daven again and, and recreate it and, and the moment we stop, it just fades away and vanishes as if nothing ever happened. We revert back to our na- good old natural self, egotistical, um, self-centered, dishonest, in denial, all the good, wonderful qualities that come, that come with, uh, with ego. And therefore, even when we do achieve a spiritual inspiration, you can't call it emes. Because it doesn't really change us. It doesn't change us permanently. It doesn't affect us permanently. You know, the Rambam writes in the laws of Teshuvah, that what is the definition of Teshuvah, real Teshuvah? The definition of real Teshuvah is that when a person regrets the negative behavior that he did, and he promises, he makes a resolution, he resolves that he'll never ever do it again. And Hashem looks in his heart, and Hashem can testify that he'll never ever do this behavior again. Which is a great novelty. The commentaries wonder, where is the source for this law in the Rambam? Where does it say that Shuva has to be, that Hashem looks into the person's heart, and he can testify that for all eternity, that this person will never ever do the sin again, otherwise it's not considered the Shuva. 
But this is the nature of truth. The nature of truth is, if it didn't change you permanently, if it hasn't totally changed you and transformed you, then it's, it's not real. As the Talmud refers to, a river that dries up once in seven years, the Talmud refers to it as a false river. What do you mean it's a false river? The water is real. You can drown in it. You can swim in it. You can drown in it. What do you mean it's a false river? Even when it exists, it's false. But since it doesn't last, it doesn't have, nothing in this world is really eternal. But at least within the framework of our world, seven years is an eternity. Fifty years, the Torah calls olam. It's forever. It's a lifetime. A generation. A lifetime. So of course, nothing in this world is really eternal. But, but a reflection of eternity, at least within our framework, something that lasts. Something that lasts. Something that endures then it's real. Something that fades away, it's not real. Everything in this world is transient. The only real thing, the only thing that's real, is eternal in this world, are the Jew, the Torah, God, nothing else. Israel, nothing else is real. Everything else is transient. Nations, civilizations, people, cultures. So godliness is real. So when Hashem looks into the uh, Balchuvah's heart and he sees that this person will change forever, has made a resolution, a strong resolution, I'll never ever do this again, then there's been a change, there's been a shift. When there's been an inner shift, a core change, then Hashem says, this is genuine, this is real to Shuv. So the tzaddik, since the tzaddik has been changed forever, permanently changed, he'll never be the same person. He's a different person. It's not just he's behaving differently. The person who's acting religious is behaving differently. He's acting holy. He's thinking holy. He's speaking holy. He's even feeling holy. He's even understanding holy. But it's not, the person hasn't permanently changed. His being hasn't become holy. And it's not within our power to change on that level. We don't have access to our subconscious. We don't have the ability to transform that we shouldn't even be tempted. We shouldn't even have egos. We shouldn't be tempted any longer. We can't transcend the frame of reference that we were created in. This is how Hashem created us. We think with ego-logical minds, and this is our, our entire frame of reference. We feel with external, label, easily labelized emotions, and that's, that's our world. But nevertheless, in comparison to the tzaddik, you can hardly call our level of service, 99.9% of us, truth. It's not truth. If the tzaddik served Hashem on that level... It wouldn't be called serving Hashem. It's not emes. It's not false. But it's not emes. Because it doesn't have that total. Because emes is totality. It's total. Absolute. Aleph, mem, tough. Beginning, middle, and end. If something is real, it's 100% real. If something is 99% real, it's 100% false. If something is 1% real, it's 100% real. In truth, either it is or it isn't. It's absolute. It's total. There's no 90%, 50%. So the tzaddik is 100%. His entire being has been transformed. Inside, outside. 100%. Since our level of service of Hashem only affects our surface, our consciousness, our external self. So yes, in relation to the behavior level, it's deeper, it's internal. It's our personality, it's our character, it's our mind, it's our heart, it's the way we think, it's the way we view the world, it's the way we feel. But in comparison to our subconscious, in comparison to our, the totality of our being, it's a small slice of who we are. It's not 100%. It's not total. Not even close. So the whole change only affects us ultimately on an external level. From an ultimate point of view, 
the whole change only affects us on the external level. And that's why it easily vanishes and fades away. And that's why we, even though we do a lot of Torah, we do a lot of mitzvot, and we do a lot of holy things, we can easily, in a moment, the ego can come roaring back, could awaken from its uh, sleep, and we're back to our, our natural egotistical self. So what does that tell us? That even when we are inspired, it only affects us on an external level. It's not the totality of our being. It doesn't touch us absolutely. So from Hashem's point of view, you can't call it emes. From the tzaddik's point of view, you can't call it emes. And that's what he's saying now. Now this aforementioned love attained by Benonim at the time of prayer by virtue of the prayer preponderance of the divine soul over the animal soul, etc. When compared to the standard of the tzaddikim who serve Hashem in perfect truth, in the truest manner of truth, this love is not called true service at all since it passes and disappears after prayer. Whereas it is written, the language, literally the lip of truth, shall be established forever, but the tongue of falsehood is only momentary. Thus the term truth refers to something immutable. The temporary and passing are not considered true. The same applies here as well, since the Benoni's love of Hashem is felt only during prayer and disappears afterwards. It does not measure up to the truest sense of truth, the perfect truth attained by tzaddikim. You know, it reminds me of the story. There was a person who dedicated his life to seeking the truth. He said goodbye to his family, left his business, and went searching from guru to guru, from school to school, searching for the truth. And he's traveling around the world. He still, still hasn't found the truth. Finally, in his travels, he hears that if you go to this and this village, you'll find the truth. Go to this and this address, and you'll meet the truth, encounter the truth. Anyway, so he travels, the end of the world, and he goes to this village, and he walks in. He looks up the address, he goes into this house. But in this house, there are tables, and rows upon rows of candles on the table. He has no idea what's going on. Then he sees the caretaker. He says, what's, what's this all about? He says, every human being that's alive is represented here in this house, has a, has a candle. Every table is a different city, you see the candles that are full. Those are babies, new, newly born. They still have a full life ahead of them. The candles are they're almost empty, about to flicker out. These are people that are about to, to pass on, etc. Okay, fine. So he goes about doing his business. And meanwhile, he starts looking for his own city. He starts looking for his own city. He finds a city. And he takes a look at his candle. As they say in Yiddish, it became dark in his eyes. He realized, he looked at his candle. His candle was about to flicker out. For a moment, he was stunned. That's it. His life is about to end. And then he looks around him. And he noted, he knows these candles because there, there is his, uh, from his village. He says, this bum, this low life, this lady, and there's nobody. The candles are full. Their lives are meaningless. What difference does it make? I'll take a drop from this one. I'll take a drop from that one. They, they won't even know the difference. I'll take a day from here, a day from there. Like this, I can extend my search. My life is so meaningful. I dedicated my life to look for the truth. And he was about to start pouring. Suddenly he feels the caretaker's hand on the shoulder and he says, that's the truth. Because <laughs> he couldn't handle the truth. A person who dedicated his whole life to the truth, but in the moment of truth he couldn't handle it. Because he couldn't be objective with himself. He couldn't see himself honestly. Truth is so difficult to be genuinely <laughs> honest and authentic and to be totally objective. It's almost impossible because... We, are, we have egos, and we can't be honest when it comes to ourselves. It's almost impossible. And um, 
So, so for 99.9% of us, our level of service of Hashem, even when the person is dedicated to seeking the truth, he's praying, and he's meditating, and he's reflecting, and, he's, and, he's, and he feels a love for Hashem. And not only is he doing everything that's right, he's thinking Jewish and speaking Jewish and acting Jewish, but he's even trying, on, on a deeper level, trying to develop a, a sensitivity and a feeling and, a, and an understanding. But ultimately, this is not truth. Because we can't truly step outside of ourselves. We can't truly change ourselves. We're not the tzaddik. The tzaddik has the ability to totally step outside of himself and to totally transform himself. But lest the person becomes discouraged. So what's the point? If I can never reach the truth, why am I trying so hard to pray and to understand and to reflect if I can never reach this level? So the Alter Rebbe now comes and says, no. That, yes, in relation to the tzaddik, this level of service of the Benini could hardly be considered truth. It's not emes. Maybe it's truth. It's not false, but it's not emes. But yet, in comparison to the Benini, in comparison to us, it is considered truth. Why? Because we're doing the best that we can. Since we are, the Benini is, is doing 100%, his 100%, the best that he's able to do. Because Hashem has only given us certain abilities. And therefore, since he's doing the maximum of his capacity, he's doing the best that he can do, he says, nevertheless, you can still refer to it as truth. Why? Because if the definition, what's the definition of truth? We know in science, how do we know that a theory is true? What's the definition of truth in science? If you can, if you can always replicate it, that's the definition of truth. What? Right, that's the definition of a law. Of a law. That's just, it's, a, it's a true law. You can always replicate it. In a certain sense, the Benini is also truth. Because the Benini could constantly replicate his, th- this level. In other words, even though the Benini, in a certain sense, it's external, because the Benini has to almost mechanically inspire himself and the moment he stops inspiring himself, the Yitzhahara, which was dormant till now, suddenly comes roaring back to life. But since he has the ability each and every day, it's within our power. We're using our ego mind and using our ego lo- logical, rational mind, the powers which, which Hashem gave us, the abilities which Hashem gave us, using our conscious self, we have the ability to recreate. The, every day we can pray again and we can focus again and we can concentrate again and we can contemplate again and meditate and every day we can evoke a certain feeling a certain sensitivity a certain love a certain attraction to Hashem and a certain and to feel repulsed by anything that's the opposite of the divine and goodly and godly and wholesome so the fact that we can constantly replicate it our entire lives in a certain sense that is truth that is our truth it's not the ultimate truth not like the tzaddik who can permanently change himself and transform himself and is touched absolutely even when we're inspired we're not inspired absolutely it's only our surface conscious self but nevertheless since we can constantly recreate this level each and every day therefore in our level this is our truth it's eternal it has something of the eternal quality to it because we can always recreate this level it's within our ability to recreate this level at least we can fill our minds and hearts with the light of Hashem and put the Yitzhara to sleep so for the, those moments that we're davening we don't even feel bothered or troubled by the Yitzhara so at least for those moments we can feel whole so since we have the ability to recreate that wholeness that sense of wholeness even though it's not an absolute wholeness 
But nevertheless, it's the best that we can do. And since we can recreate it eternally each and every day of our lives, under all circumstances, every one of us, therefore, you can call it truth. Now, of course, every one of us is different. One person may replicate it very easily. For another person, it may take tremendous effort. To put yourself in the mood to pray takes tremendous effort, concentration, meditation, just, just for us to focus. For many of us, just the ability to focus takes tremendous effort. Because until you get rid of all the distractions, until your mind is focused like a laser, until you're able to evoke some feeling, some deep feeling of love to Hashem, this, this can take hours of prayer. This can take a tremendous, tremendous amount of effort and, and a very long time. It takes time and effort. You have to learn. You have to study. You have to comprehend. Then you have to think deeply about it and meditate on it and reflect on it and concentrate and focus. And then until you evoke some emotional response, some feeling of love and attraction, until it seeps into your heart, this is work, very hard work. That's why Hasidim, it would take them hours to pray. They would spend hours and hours preparing to pray. And many times they would start with a minion, they'd start 6 a.m., and they wouldn't finish till, till, till 3 in the afternoon. Because up until they were able, on their personal level, everyone on their own personal subjective level, until they were able to reach a feeling of love or a feeling, a feeling towards godliness, a feeling of wholeness, where their ego was put to, was, became dormant and was put to sleep temporarily, that took tremendous effort. And many times they would spend hours learning, first learning, and then hours thinking, and contemplating, and meditating. And then they would start davening. And the davening would take time. Because they wanted to experience this level of guidance. But nevertheless, yes, it's hard effort. And it's tremendous, tremendous... uh, 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 It takes takes time and, and energy. But nevertheless, we have the ability... We all have the ability to recreate this level to the best that we can. And therefore, it has the nature of truth to it. That's the point Alter Rebbe is making now. So don't feel bad. The Ben shouldn't feel that his whole service of Hashem is false. It's not emes, not false. But it's not emes. It's truth, but it's not emes. It's not the deepest, the truest, the most genuine, the most authentic. So here I'm trying to serve Hashem genuinely serve Hashem and, and now we just discover that whatever we do it's superficial it's external it's not genuine it's not authentic from an eternal point of view from the tzaddik's point of view it's meaningless so why am I exerting all this effort? where does that leave 99.9% of us? he's telling us no, no, relax this is our MS when we do the best that we can and since we have the ability to always recreate and replicate this level Therefore, this is called our emes. It's called our truth. Nevertheless, in relation to the rank of the Benani, this level of love is regarded as a truly perfect service in terms of their level of truth. That is the level of the Benani. In each man, relative to his standing in the category of the Benani, for as mentioned earlier, the rank of Benani is subdivided into many levels. Their love, too, which they possess only during prayer, I term the language of truth, which shall be established forever. That is, their love is true and permanent, they're manifest only during prayer. Since their divine soul has the power to reawaken this love constantly, whenever it gathers strength during prayer, day after day. By means of the spiritual preparation, appropriate to each soul's quality and rank, the higher the level of the soul, the less preparation is required to awaken its love of Hashem. 
regardless, every soul has the capacity to rest its love of Hashem during prayer. The Benoni's love of Hashem is thus constant, since it's either in an active, revealed state, or is in potentia, and can be revealed at any moment throughout the day. As mentioned earlier, every Benoni has the potential to attain the level of praying the whole day long. But the question remains, isn't truth absolute? Either it is or it isn't. How could there be different truths, many truths? It sounds like moral relativism. You have your truth, I have my truth. For the tzaddik, this is not considered truth. Emes. For the benini, 99.9%, the rest of us, it is considered emes. Hashem is absolute. From Hashem's, from the eternal's point of view, is it real or is it not real? If we say that the tzaddik is real and only the tzaddik is real, how can we say that also the benini is real? That the level of the benini is real for the benini. Is truth objective? Is it real? Or is it subjective? Everyone has their own truth. What is it? And so this leads us to a deeper discussion into the nature of truth. Truth is both. It's objective and subjective at the end. Because truth is dynamic. Truth is not passive, static. Truth is dynamic. In other words, that very same truth expresses itself. In every situation, it expresses itself differently. Because every situation, you have to get to the emiss of that situation, to the center of that situation, to the point of that situation. And when you get to the center of that situation, you're connecting with the very same truth. It's the same truth. But it's the same truth the way it's found on all different levels. So at every level, you have to... How do I connect to truth on this level? It's the same truth, but how do I connect to that same truth on this level? Or in this situation? or today, or tomorrow, or yesterday, every day, every situation, every, has, every person has their own way of connecting to that very same truth. There's one truth, that's the divine. But the divine is dynamic, it's vibrant. And every person, the question is, how do you connect to the truth? The Baal Tov loved the simple Jew. Because the simple Jew, whatever the simple Jew did, was done without ears. It was almost unselfconscious. Whatever the simple truth did, they did 100%. With every fiber of their being, every bone in their body. They may have been ignorant, but whatever they did was 100%. They did a Jew a favor, it was 100%. There was no holding back. There was no reservation. They studied Torah, whatever they were able to study Torah, it was 100%. They prayed, it was 100%. They poured their heart and soul into it. It was their truth. They touched the divine, and the divine was touched by them. Hashem was moved by them. Because... That's what moves Hashem. One thing in life that moves Hashem, which is Emes. You know, it's one thing for us to, to be inspired by Hashem. But for Hashem to be inspired by us, <laughs> Hashem gets inspired by us. You know what inspires Hashem? When He sees Emes. When He sees through and through that it's genuine, it's authentic. You're doing the best that you can. You're connecting to Him. You're connecting to the divine spark inside of you. When, when what you do is emiss, when you reach the center of your being, when, when it's 100%, it's beautiful and it's genuine and it's true and it's moving, that's what moves Hashem, that's what inspires Hashem. What's emiss? Everyone, everyone has their own level. If a great Jew would do the same thing as a simple Jew, that's not emiss. If a great Jew serves Hashem 99.9% of his being, but leaves 0.1% out of it, Hashem is not moved. Externally, it looks very impressive. But Hashem looks at the truth, the emiss. Hashem looks deep inside his heart and says, this is not, you're not giving it your all. You're holding back. There's a reservation. You're detached. 
it hasn't, it's not real. Hashem has not moved. Well, it could be the simple truth. But whatever he's doing, he's doing 100%. And Hashem is moved and inspired by this truth. As we say in the Shema, you should love Hashem with all your heart, with all your soul, with your whole being. Your whole being. Go beyond your nature. There's one love where you love Hashem with all your heart. Your heart, both of your hearts are filled with a love to Hashem. But only according to the capacity of your heart, not more. With all your soul. But then there's going beyond, going the extra mile, going the extra yard, pushing yourself, going beyond your nature, doing something that's unnatural, it's difficult for you to do. And that's very personal subject. Because when a person goes beyond his limits, that's when you touch the divine inside of you. That's when you become a reflection of the infinite. We are finite. And no matter what we do, we'll still be finite. But where do we touch the infinite? Where do we make contact with the infinite? Where do we see a reflection of the infinite? A taste of the infinite? When we go beyond our limits. Whatever limit it may be. Whoever we are. At that moment, at least you're getting a, you're, you're, you're touching the infinite. You're accessing the infinite. You're connecting with Hashem. Even though it's your limitation, for in comparison to a higher person, it's no big deal. Let's say a person who, for him to read one, one psalm is a great deal. And he pushes himself and he reads one psalm and, and another verse in the psalm. Another Jew reads 150 psalms a day. It means nothing. He does it. It's natural. It's habitual. It's, it's easy for him to do. So it means nothing to him. But for that Jew to go that extra mile, a person that gives that extra penny to tzedakah, a person that, learned, that learns that extra minute of Torah, a person who does an extra favor to a person, pushes himself, he's not in the mood, I already, I already used up all my allowances for kindness for today. I'm not interested in the mood. And you push yourself, okay, let me, let me stretch, let me go beyond. That's so precious. Even because it's very personal, it's very subjective. But for you, you went beyond your limit. You accessed, you exercised, you tapped into the infinite inside of you, the divine inside of you. Of course, nothing we do is infinite, because we're finite. We can push beyond any limit, it'll still be limited. But for this level, for the level that you're at, in your personal situation, and your subjective self, you're really stretching. You're really pushing yourself. And the only reason you're doing it is because of Hashem. Why would a person go beyond his nature? Why would a person inconvenience himself? Why would a person do something that's unnatural for us to do? Why would a person sacrifice? The only reason you're doing it is because of Hashem. Because of the truth and the genuineness of Hashem. Because we're Jews. And we'll do anything for Hashem. So at that moment, you're tapping into and you're touching and you're exercising the, the, the divine inside of you. And he says, this is the quality, this is the nature of Emes, is the nature of Yaakov. Yaakov's attribute was Emes. We know the three patriarchs, Abraham represents... Uh, chesed, love, kindness Yitzhak represents heroism, strength intensity sacrifice Yaakov represents Emes and what's the nature of Emes? the nature of Emes is like we said earlier, beginning, middle, end it's infinite there's no limit to Emes Emes touches everything, everyone Avraham's kindness didn't reach everywhere it was a limit to his kindness. Because look, look at his children. Yitzhak was a tzaddik, but look at Yishmael. 
Yitzchak, heroism and sacrifice, again, was limited. It only reached Yaakov. It didn't reach Esav. Yaakov, however, all of his children were Jewish. Yaakov, his entire family was whole. He was the first Jewish family. Why was Yaakov whole? Because Yaakov represented Emes. Because Avraham represented this otherworldly love to every human being, all of God's creatures. It was, it, was, it was divine, it was angelic, it was otherworldly. His tent was open, he had four doors. He loved everyone, everyone was welcome. He served them hand and feet, he, he taught them. I mean, it was almost, how often do you meet people like that? Yitzchak was the epitome of sacrifice, heroism, intensity. Climbing Mount Everest. I mean, how many people you have like that? Again, it's otherworldly. Yaakov was the most natural of all the patriarchs. You don't see anything unusual. Yaakov raised a family in, in, uh, in Haran, far away from Israel. He tended the sheep for 20 years, for his uncle, and then for himself. But Yaakov was the most natural of all the patriarchs. Because for Yaakov, Yiddishkeit, Judaism, was not something otherworldly. For Avram, Yiddishkeit, godliness was something otherworldly. And for Yitzchak as well. For Yaakov, it was the most natural thing in the world. And therefore, all of his children were Jewish. As the Talmud says, that's why the Jewish people are called Yisrael. We're not called Abrahamites, we're not called Isaacites, we're called Israelites. Why? As the Talmud says, even a Jew's sins are still a Jew. Why? Because being Jewish is the most natural thing in the world. You don't have to turn into a saint, and you don't have to become an angel, or turn into a monk, or become otherworldly to be Jewish and godly and holy. You're born Jewish. You're born godly. You're born holy. Your essence is holy. We are divine beings that are having human experiences. Our essence is divine. We have a divine spark. We have a neshama. It's not the reverse. We're not human beings that occasionally have some divine experiences. That was Avram and Yitzchak. Yaakov was just the opposite. He turned the whole thing upside down. To Yaakov, we were divine beings that, that have human experiences. But our essence, our core is divine. And therefore, we're, we're, to be godly is the most natural thing in the world. So even when a Jew sins, when you're sinning, you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to your real nature. When you're sinning, you're being alienated from your true self. When you're acting godly, and thinking godly, and speaking godly, and doing godly things. That's natural. That's who you are. It's everything else that's completely unnatural. So Yaakov turned the whole, the whole situation around. And therefore, since we are the children of Yaakov, Yaakov has that quality of emes. Emes reaches absolutely from the highest level to the lowest level. From the tzaddik down to the benedict. Because why do we have this ability to constantly recreate this divine inspiration within us and this divine contemplation. Because at the core and at the essence, we are truly godly. We can't access it. We can't feel our subconscious. We can't feel our Jewish faith. But deep down, we all have that pentelayid. That's our nate. That's our core selves, our true selves. So when we are acting Jewish and thinking Jewish, and when our hearts are filled with a love for Hashem, when our minds, our conscious, egological minds are filled with contemplation and deep meditation, and f- we're just being true and consistent with our truest, deepest self. So that is truth. It's not we're doing something external, we're, we're creating, we're trying to be something that we're not. 
Why go through our entire life struggling and trying to be godly and act godly and think godly when it's not our true selves? Let's be genuine. Let's be honest. Isn't it healthier just to be true to yourself? Be egotistical, be natural, be materialistic. And don't pretend to be some angelic, otherworldly being. It's not me. Yaakov reveals that that's not true. Yaakov tells us the truth is that your essence is God. That is your natural self. That is your deepest self. Subconsciously, deep down, that is your truest self. So even though you don't feel it, you can't experience it. Experientially, you don't feel it. And you may not even be aware of it. But it's your truth. Even when a Jew sins, he's a Jew. 100% Jewish. Absolutely Jewish. A Jew is a Jew is a Jew. Because that's your truth. Godliness is truth. God is, period. That is the true nature of, of our realities. Even though we're not in touch with it. It doesn't change the fact. It doesn't change the reality. Therefore, when on the surface level, externally, you're doing the right thing, you're behaving properly and you're thinking properly, and you are being truthful and genuine, authentic and consistent with your deepest self. So it is a truth. And therefore, when you push yourself beyond the limit and you do the best that you can do, and you are the best that you can be, and you do the best that you can, and you pour your whole heart and soul into it, Hashem is moved and inspired. You're touching the eternal. It's real. It's genuine. Even though from the tzaddik's point of view, it's all superficial. But since for you it's real, it is real. Because it connects to the ultimate truth. So truth is dynamic. Truth is objective and subjective at the same time. Because the very same truth expresses itself. Every situation that expresses itself differently. That's why the same Torah that teaches us be kind, in one, situ- one situation to be kind. And Jews are the kindest, most compassionate people in the face of the world. We are disproportionately represented in all of the charities. But nevertheless, the same Torah teaches us not to be pacifist. In certain situations when life is threatened, the same Torah teaches us to become militant and to defend life, not to turn the other cheek and to be gentle and kind. When you're faced with a murderer, you have to become militant and stop it. Otherwise, you become an accomplice to the murder. So, how could this Torah, Torah teaches us to be kind and gentle, how can the same Torah teach us to be militant? You know, we'll never forget after 9-11, all these religious leaders from all walks of life were preaching, uh, you know, let, let, let's send flowers, <laughs> let's... Let's all sit and pray. Let's meditate. What kind of nonsense? The Torah says when you're faced with a murderer, you have to stand up. There's no room for pacifism. You have to become militant and ferocious and defend life. How could the same Torah, how could we be so flexible? The same Torah that tells you in one moment to be the kindest, gentlest person on earth, the next moment tells you to be militant and strong and unyielding and and relentless. Are we talking to the same person? But that's the nature of truth. Truth is not, is not rigid. Truth is not like a cookie cutter. The same truth expresses itself in every situation differently. In one situation, the, the truth, you want to touch Hashem in this moment, the way to touch Hashem is by being the kindest, the gentlest, unconditional love. That very same truth, the same divine, in, infinite truth, demands from you a moment later in a different situation to be ferocious and unyielding and, and tough and militant. It's the same truth. There's a tremendous flexibility. Those who do not connect it to truth don't have that flexibility. They once asked the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, which system of government is 
is more true. It's truer. Democracy, socialism, communism. He said, listen, everyone has, every system has a kernel of truth. You know, this system emphasizes social responsibility, the responsibility, the communal responsibility. Capitalism emphasizes the individual. Everyone has a kernel of truth. But no one has the whole truth. The Torah gives us the whole truth. Everyone took a little piece, a little piece, a point. Of course, there's a sense of community and responsibility, and that's true. But not at the expense of the individual. There's a sense of the individual, but not at the expense of, the, not at the expense of ignoring the community. The Torah gives us the whole picture. When you have the whole picture, when you connect it to the eternal, everything fits in. And that same truth tells you in this moment, it's all about the individual. And forget about the community. And the next moment, it's all about the community. That's the nature of truth. Truth is dynamic. Truth, the same Shulchan Aruch will tell you in this case, it's not kosher. But if there's a lot of money involved and there's be a tremendous loss of money, then Allah is differently. What do you mean? Be consistent. Either it is or it isn't. But that's the nature of truth. Truth is dynamic. It depends on every situation. In this situation, this is the way you express that same eternal truth. In another situation, you have to get to the center, to the point, how do you access and touch the truth in that in that situation, you have to access it through maybe the exact opposite. Kosher or not kosher. This is the nature of, of, of Yaakov. Truth is the attribute of Yaakov. As the verse states, you give truth to Yaakov, who is called the middle bolt, which secures everything from end to end. Just as the middle bolt in the tabernacle secured and bolted together all the boards by passing through them all. In the tabernacle, there were uh, the beams that stood upright had bolts on the outside. So they had one bolt on top, one bolt on the bottom. Actually, two bolts on top, two bolts on the bottom. And then you had inside, that was carved into the, into the wooden uh, beams, it was carved, there was a hole. And there was a beam that went through to the hole. And miraculously, it went through all three walls. The same pole, they, they put it into a pole, and it just moved itself and bended itself and ended up at the other end. This is a miracle. So unlike all the other poles, which were separate, the center pole, which represents Yaakov, the top one represents Avram, the bottom one Yitzchak, and the middle one, the center, because that's the nature of truth. The attribute of Yaakov, which represents truth, its nature is always getting to the center, to, the, to connect to the center, to the, to the essence, to the truth of, of every level. So it's like getting in the inside and getting to the center, and it's the truth that connects everything from the highest level, continuing from the highest. In spiritual terms, this means that the attribute of truth passes from the highest gradations and levels to the end, meaning the lowest, of all grades. In each gradation and level, it passes through the central point of that particular level, which is, namely, which then becomes the point of quality, meaning the standard of that level's attribute of truth. You know, this reminds me of the story the Talmud says, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakeh, who was the leader of the Jewish people during the destruction of the Second Temple, was traveling with his students, and he saw this Jewish woman was collecting, looking for barley, forget about wheat, barley amongst animal dung. And he looked at her and he recognized her. And she, she turned and um, she was the daughter of, Nag, of Nagdimon. Nagdimon was one of the three richest people in, in uh, Yerushalayim. When the Romans lay siege to Yerushalayim, there were three rich Jews who single-handedly could have sustained the entire city of Yerushalayim. It was Kalba Savua, and there was uh, 
um, there was a third one, and each one of them, one of them was able to supply all the wheat for 21 years, all the wheat that they needed. Another one had enough supplies of wine and, and uh, oil and, and salt. And the third one had enough wood to cook all of this for 21 years. And the hotheads, the Jewish hotheads, wanted to force the community to fight the Romans, so they burned down all these supplies. So this was, this was the daughter of Nagdimun Ben-Gurion. And they were shocked. Rabbi Echelen says, Nagdimun Ben-Gurion, you, he, was, he was so wealthy. What, and you're now collecting. So he says, there's a saying that if you want to salt your money, you want to preserve your money, it's not by putting it in IRAs or putting it in the bank account, it's by, by giving tzedakah. By giving tzedakah, you salt your money. So she was saying, my father didn't give tzedakah, and look what happened. And then she says, you remember, Rabbi Yechner, you remember my wedding? You know how much money I was given as a dowry for the wedding? A million golden coins. And that was just, that was just from one side of the family, not, uh, not the in-laws. So you can imagine how wealthy she was, and here she was. So Talmud says, Nagdimun Ben-Gurion, the reason he was called Nagdimun, he studied in, in Tainus, it was, it was referred to in the Talmud class, that um, he, he, uh, he caused the sun to come out. When he uh, filled the waters, the, the, le- the, uh, the pits of Jerusalem with water, it was a whole story in the Talmud. So how could you say he wasn't generous? He was so generous. Um, when he would walk in the street, they would give him, they would put out a silk, a silk carpet. And then all the poor people would come and take it after he walked through it. He was generous. He gave, he gave it away. So how can you say he wasn't generous? How can you say he lost all his money because he didn't give tzedakah? So one of the responses of the Talmud is he gave tzedakah, but he didn't give it according to his ability. Hashem measures every person by their own ability. There's a famous story of Rab Zusha. Rab Zusha says, after 120 years, he's not worried that he's going to come to heaven and they're going to say, why weren't you a tzaddik? Why weren't you like Avram Avinu? I wasn't Avram because I wasn't Avram. What do you want from me? Why weren't you like, like Moshe, like Moses? What I am afraid of is they're going to come to me and say, Rab Zusha, why weren't you like Rab Zusha? What am I going to say? That's all Hashem asks for. He doesn't ask us to be something different than we are. He just asks us to be the best that we can, 100%. That's what Hashem looks into our heart. He wants a Jew, do 100%. Do whatever you can. Whatever you do, do 100%. Not 99%. 100%. You're doing it, pour your whole being into it, to the best of your ability. And that's your truth. And that's how you touch the divine. That's how Hashem is touched and moved by us. And that's the nature of Yaakov. Because the truth is, deep down, we all have that truth. Deep down, we all have the tzaddik inside of us. Just, it's just subconscious. We can't access it. But that is our genuine self. So whatever we do on the surface that's consistent with it, that is the truth. So we're doing the best that we can on a conscious level, but we're being consistent with our genuine truth. So it's all touching the same truth. All roads lead to Jerusalem, all touching the same truth. So it's the same Hashem, and Hashem is moved and inspired. So it's the same infinite, it's the same expression of the infinite. The infinite expresses itself in the tzaddik in one way, in the bain in the, by being a bain. And it's touching that truth. So you shouldn't feel bad. And now he's adding that the nature of truth is dynamic because the truth is even the tzaddik, even the tzaddik cannot rest in his laurels. The tzaddik's truth also changes because 
Hashem, the truth is dynamic and vibrant. Truth is demanding. Hashem is demanding. If Hashem is real, then it has to demand something from us. What are we doing about it? How are we changing? How are we moving? How are we growing? How are we inspired by it, by the reality of Hashem? So like the story of the Hanukkah, the first night of Hanukkah, you light one candle, and it's perfect. Because for the first night of Hanukkah, you reach the, the highest level you can reach. But if you, you celebrate the second night of Hanukkah by lighting one candle, yesterday was perfect. Today, when was the last time you saw a Jew lighting one, one, one light on the second night? What kind of Hanukkah celebration is this? This is a Hanukkah celebration. Where's two lights? But yesterday was perfect. It's like a little child. A little child wears a beautiful, beautiful suit. And everyone compliments him. Wow. But if 10 years later he's wearing the same suit, he's wondering why everyone in the is snickering at him because it reaches his knees, it doesn't fit him anymore. You know, it's dynamic. You're growing. You're not the same person you were yesterday. If, you, if you're going to serve Hashem on the same level that you served Hashem yesterday, your understanding was smaller. If you serve Hashem, then, then it's, not, it's not your truth. Truth is constantly changing and shifting. Not that truth changes. But every situation is different. Every day is different. You're not the same you were yesterday. And therefore, you have to reach the center of your being today. You have to reach your truth today. And if you're not serving 100% today, even though it was considered 100% yesterday, today it's, today it's not good enough. It's like the Baal Shem Tov once said, he said, ask me any question, I'll give you the answer. He says, give me any answer and I'll ask you a question. Because... It's infinite. In comparison to a higher level, yesterday's answer is, 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 not, is not good enough. It was perfect for that level. But now that you reached a higher level, from a higher perspective, from a deeper perspective, that answer is shallow, superficial. This must be a deeper answer, a more satisfying answer. I have to reorganize the whole thing. I have to reintegrate the whole thing. Everything falls apart. Yesterday, everything was integrated. I felt integrated. I felt connected. I felt whole. I felt perfect. I felt in touch. I felt inspired. A day later, it all disintegrates. It falls apart. I need a deeper level to achieve that same level of integration, of wholeness, of connection, of, of getting to the center, of getting to the truth. We all know when something, when something bothers us. When, some, when something bothers us, we don't always know what bothers us. Sometimes you ask a teacher a question. And the teacher, and that's the difference between a real good teacher and a, an amateur, the teacher can give you a perfect answer. On the books, it's a perfect answer. But you don't feel satisfied. It didn't answer your question. It technically answered your question. And then, a good teacher, when you ask a question, and sometimes he starts answering you, and you don't see the connection. What's the connection to what I, I asked? But then, when he's done, you say, ah, it's resolved. That, that's what I was looking for. Now I understand. Now I can connect with it. Because many times we don't even express what's bothering us. We don't even know ourselves is bothering us. But something doesn't fit. Something doesn't sit right. It doesn't integrate well. It, it, it doesn't... I can't put my finger on it, but it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't click. And then when you get to that, level, that point where it clicks and suddenly you say, ah, that's it. Now I get it. What did you get? Something you may have known for years. But you never really got it. It, it, it. You know, it. you heard it, and it's logical. You can repeat it. You can even explain it. But you know, it... But then, something clicks inside. And suddenly you feel, it feels integrated. It feels connected. That's the truth. That's, that's what we talk about truth. When it all comes together. 
and you've reached the truth of that level. And it's a perfect answer until tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow, you've graduated. Because of yesterday's truth. Not because yesterday's truth was a false answer. Yesterday's truth was truth, was emes. You reach the center, the best answer you can give, the perfect answer you can give for that level. And everything was integrated, everything fell into place. It was beautiful. It connects, it fits, it's real, it resonates, you respond. It's beautiful. But because of that truth, you've graduated to a higher level. And now in comparison to the higher level, yesterday's truth is no longer truth. I need a deeper answer. Now it all falls apart. Now I I don't feel inspired. It doesn't make sense again. It's too superficial. It's too shallow. I need something deeper to reintegrate, to reorganize, to reconnect. And it goes on ad infinitum because Hashem is infinite. So the tzaddik also cannot rest in his laurels. Not that the tzaddik has reached truth and he's touched the absolute truth and he's been totally transformed and changed by Hashem consciously, subconsciously, every fiber is being, every bone in his body, 100%, absolutely. And therefore, he's arrived. The tzaddik is also dynamic. The tzaddik also has to constantly move, continuously move, because Hashem is dynamic. The infinite nature of truth is it's dynamic. Every situation is different because the tzaddik, the level of the truth of the tzaddik today, now he's a day old, a day wiser. He has to go deeper. Otherwise, Hashem is not real for the, for the tzaddik. If, if you just rest on your laurels and you're just coasting along, then it's not real. If Hashem is real, is dynamic, Hashem has to challenge you. You have to jump out of your skin. If Hashem is real, the reality of Hashem is to cause you to change, to transform. It's like the story of the Alter Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe, it was, a, it was the Magid, it was called the Magid of Liyajna. In the Alter Rebbe's town of Liyajna, there was a Magid. The Magid was a Jew who would, who would give Musr, who would rebuke the community. I don't know any, any people in the world that pay someone to, to rebuke them. People pay people to compliment them, tell them how wonderful they are, how great they are, massage their egos. Which culture on earth, which people on earth, the higher someone, to be honest with them, to tell them objective truth, honest truth, tell them the, with brutal honesty, tell them like it is. This is the Jewish people for you. You know, the Jewish people, so there's a magic. He would rebuke the Jewish people and, and the community and, and tell them the honest truth. So Rebbe calls in this magic and he says, you know, I feel terrible. You're giving Musr to everyone in the town, except me. No one would dare give Alter Rebbe Musr, Alter Rebbe. What if the Tanya, Alter Rebbe Musr? What's he going to do? He's going to give Alter Rebbe Musr? I mean, come on, it's a joke. But Alter Rebbe ordered him. He can't. Alter Rebbe wants him to tell him something. So obviously, Alter Rebbe knew to ask. He was a very wise, wise Jew. So he turns to Alter Rebbe. Maybe Alter Rebbe empowered him. <laughs> so he turns to Alter Rebbe. He says, Alter Rebbe, Rebbe. How can I Muslim? Whatever I know, you know already. What, whatever you don't know, I don't need to know. He says, what's the difference in you and I? The difference is, you know a lot more than what I know. You know what I know. He says, Rebbe, trust me. The difference between what you know and what you don't know is much greater than the difference between what I know and you know. And the Rebbe started crying. He recognized the truth of what he just said. But whatever, no matter how great we are, even the tzaddik, no matter how much we accomplish, no matter how much we achieve, no matter what level we've arrived at, what we don't know is always far surpasses whatever we know. Yesterday's heaven. Once we reach heaven, no, there's another heaven. 
And there's another heaven. Heaven is always above us, no matter what level we reach. Yesterday's heaven is today's earth. But yesterday was a mystery. We all have in our lives the things that are a mystery. I'll never understand it. And then one day, you get it. You understand it. It's no longer a mystery. You've advanced to such a level that yesterday's mystery today's, becomes today's simple. Now there's a new mystery. There's a deeper mystery. There's a deeper level. And a deeper level. And a deeper level. It never ends because Hashem is infinite. So there's no limit to the amount of... So no matter how much you've accomplished, no matter how much you've achieved, on the contrary, the more you accomplish, the more you achieve, the higher you go. The more you realize how little we know. The more you start appreciating the vastness of the universe that's out there, you realize how insignificant. Whatever we know, whatever, it's so insignificant in comparison to the... So, to the infinite. So the tzaddik... It's also, his truth is also constantly shifting and moving and changing. It's dynamic. It's not he's passive. That's the nature of truth. It's vibrant. It's dynamic. It's personal, subjective. And yet, everyone on their own level, from the greatest, to the, from the tzaddik, to the bainani, everyone is touching the same truth. Everyone is serving the same Hashem. Everyone is touching the same Hashem. Everyone is hopefully inspiring Hashem as well and moving Hashem by doing, by serving Him genuinely and truthfully, davening with all our heart and our soul and our being, doing a mitzvah with all our heart and our soul and our being, doing a person a favor with all our heart and our soul and our being. And that's the nature of truth. So everyone is able to touch the truth. Truth is very democratic, very egalitarian. No one has a monopoly of truth. Everyone is able to touch the truth, but it has to be genuine. <laughs> One thing it has, it has to be genuine. You're genuine. But when you're genuine, you're touching the ultimate, ultimate truth. The attribute of truth is an unbounded inheritance. It has no upper limit as it extends to the highest level. It says about Yaakov that his inheritance was without limit, because the Torah says about Yaakov that your children will conquer the entire world from east to west, to north to south. There's no limit. And all lower gradations and levels are as nothing compared with those superior to them. If then truth is found on all levels despite their disparity, we must conclude that the standard of truth on each level is relative to the core of that level. In support for his statement that the lower levels and grades are incomparable to the highest ones, Dalta Rebbe cites. As it's known to those familiar with the austeric discipline, the quality that is the head and intellect, the highest level within lower grades is inferior to the soles and feet, the very lowest level within the higher grades. As our sages say, the feet of the chair surpass all those levels lower than them, including the highest degree within those lower levels. The attribute of truth, then, is measured according to the standard of each level. We may thus conclude that the divine service of being is considered true service relative to their level. Although when compared with the service of Tzadikim, it is not considered true since it passes after birth. So the Talmud says in Chagiga, Talmud says that there are, there are 500 years different distance between earth and heaven. And then each heaven is 500 years. And then from one heaven to the next is a 500 year distance. And then the next heaven is 500 years. And there are seven heavens. And above all the heavens are the chayot, are the angels that are called the chayot. And the feet of the chayot is above all of the heavens. So as great as all the heavens are, in comparison to the lowest level, the feet of the chayot, it's all insignificant. So in comparison to a higher level, the lower levels are considered insignificant. And that's why when a Jew does teshuvah, not only a Jew has to do tshuva on the sins that he did, that he committed, or the negative things that we did, 
Like one chassid tells the other, he says, I'm not worried about my sins. I'm more worried about my mitzvah. <laughs> because, because you grow a day older and a day wiser and you realize how infinite Hashem is and you realize how small we are and how great Hashem is and your understanding, yesterday's understanding was nothing. It was insignificant in comparison to today's understanding. So your whole service of Hashem of yesterday in comparison to today is lacking. Is inadequate. Is wanting. So you do tshuva on all the mitzvah that you did because that's called a mitzvah. That's called serving Hashem. I'm embarrassed. It's, a, it's an embarrassment. What I thought was perfect, but the truth is that day it was perfect. But as long as you don't, as you were restless, as long as every day you keep on moving, it's dynamic. You keep on changing and moving and being challenged and always reaching out to a higher level and a higher level and a higher level. Then you're in touch with emes. Emes is a constantly moving target. Aleph, Mem, Tav. It's in motion. Life is movement. Life is in motion. It's constantly changing and growing and, and, uh, and transforming and inspired, being inspired. And um, it's an adventure. That's why life is an adventure. Emes. That's the quality of Emes. When you touch with Emes, and uh, by going deeper and trying to be more genuine, trying to be more authentic, and uh, trying to the best of our ability to go beyond our egos. You know, it's, it's difficult because we are limited because we can't really surpass our egos. We're bained. We're not tzaddik. What tzaddik is that rear individual has the ability to totally trans, transcend his ego. He can totally step outside of his ego and become an egoless person. We can't. We are egotistical. That's our frame of reference. That's our being. That's who we are. That's how we process the world around us. That's how we think. That's how we think. And that's how... And, but nevertheless, to the best of our ability, anything that we do to rise above our ego, to push ourselves, to be a little more genuine, a little more authentic, a little more selfless, a little more kind, a little good, a little more gentle, a little... It's genuine, it's authentic. And we're touching our truth. And we're touching the divine. We're exercising and accessing and tapping into the divine spark within us. And we're being truthful because we're all the children of Yaakov, of, of Israel, the children of Yaakov, whose quality is emes. Because Hashem is Emes. That is our truth. Deep down, that is our truth. Don't think for a moment that we're, we're trying to become reborn again or trying to become this superficial persona that's not really us. If you wanted to be genuine, you should be, just be, be true to yourself. Be egotistical. and be, be down to earth. and Be materialistic. So on the contrary, when you do something godly and you act godly, you are being genuine to, uh, and consistent with your most genuine self, with your most natural self. Even if you don't feel it experientially, even though it's impossible for us to feel it experientially on a daily basis. And it is a struggle for us, and it will remain a struggle for the rest of our lives. There are moments when we pray. There are moments on Shabbat, on a Jewish holiday. There are moments, certain moments in our life, milestones in our life. They get married, certain very special holy moments that you get a glimpse of this reality, that even experientially you can sense something, you feel whole and you feel... But the rest of our lives, life is a constant struggle. And there's no escaping that struggle. But nevertheless, we are being truthful and consistent with our genuine, natural, truly natural self. And that's the nature of Yaakov, the quality of Yaakov. That's why even the Jew's sins is also a Jew. Because his sin is external. It's the sin that's superficial. It's the sin that's dishonest. It's the sin that's not authentic. When you do a mitzvah, that's genuine. That's authentic. That you're being true to yourself. And being true with the ultimate truth, the absolute truth, the truth and the reality of Hashem, which is our truth, and ultimately it's the ultimate truth.
There's no other truth. To be continued. This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.